Big Sloth. You snotty little bastard. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel, Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut country. these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside a bony transfer! Your Honor, you doctored the logbook! Damn it, You the Consider yourself in contempt! Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled you to You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hinden Welch, and you're listening to Hobo Radio. And if you don't know who I am, I'm a voiceover actor. And now, here's Joel and Will. Lars. And Lars. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And with me, Lars Periwinkle. How is it going? I'm all right, money. Oh, you bring back money. Oh, <laughs> try, shit. Try, try, try to get my, my catchphrase. Yeah. One day I'll be cool and uh, I'll just not draw attention to it and I'll act like that's a normal <laughs> thing that you're saying. So that it seems like that's what we always do, Big Vinegar. Hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Big Vinegar is the one that stuck. Remember when my catchphrase was going to be uh, Juicy Pork Chop, bro? <laughs> oh, wow. That's Yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> the throwback. I don't know why that one didn't work. Long-time listeners will remember Juicy Pork Chop, bro. Yeah. So, Greg. Yeah, maybe Greg. And then, I don't know, there's probably a bunch of people in in Kenya wearing those shirts. <laughs> it is funny to think, like, if they just got into the show, but, like, they're listening to ones from years ago. Because, you know, that data didn't say what they were. They So, it's very possible. <laughs> they, they're starting from episode one. Yeah. Man, these guys got some some hot takes on that Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. <laughs> it's probably that's probably just the first episode though, and then they'll move on to no, <laughs> no. They're still yeah. Oh, this is like week four, and why are they still? Yeah, yeah. And Kenya, is, this is just called Batman podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, it's Big Vinegar's Batman pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Kenya, so much. Let that be true. Oh man! Uh, speaking of, we might we might get back to Christopher Nolan. I don't want to talk about him right now because we spent a lot of time talking about him before. But I'll just say, if we get back to it, this show I watched Tenet. So oh, so I might I might have some some spicy hot takes about okay, Tenet. Go for it. I haven't. I you know I never even watched the the trailer for that thing. I have almost zero knowledge of what even it is the fuck about. Yeah, that's kind of like, hey, we'll save it. But uh, okay. that's kind of. We'll yeah. be teas- doing teasers yeah. now on Hobo Radio. Look I at mean, that. Professional. Big Vinegar's Batman podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, the old days, Lars, when Tenet was just that guy in Doctor Who that we loved? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy, I start started we watching that song, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I actually you actually told me that that like because I was asking you about I don't know if that was on the show or off the show, but we were like I was asking if you had seen some show and you're like I'm just rewatching old Doctor. Yeah, Hill. it's it's comfort food, man. And it, you know what's funny is as many times as I've watched David Tennant's episodes, um, this time we're starting to watch, and I said, you know, I'd never noticed that before. Like he shows his teeth a lot. You know, <laughs> I I, mean, I don't remember him being this saucy. Maybe well, he's um, very maybe saucy. My, my my old eyes uh, are kind of taking this in in a new way. And uh, my wife, Julia, says to me, oh, David Tennant's a jerk. What? I said, what? That's Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, she goes, oh, yeah, no, I love him. He's my favorite. But he, his his doctor, he's kind of a, he's kind of a dick. That's why he's cool. And I'm like, hold on. So I watch it with with that veil taken off. Yeah, he's, he is. He is kind of a dick. Like he's a, he's also very, very compassionate and loving and, um, uh, very, very, also very passionate. Um, uh, he has a lot of affection for, for all living creatures, especially humanity, but a dick. He's a dick. Well, I think, really I mean, in my mind and granted, I, I have not watched it as recently as you have, but uh, to me, the kind of defining thing that's in the first episode that he's in, but in his first Christmas special, he's there's a lot of discussion about what type of doctor or what type of man he is. And he says something about being compassionate or he's going to let the villain go. And then when his back is turned, I remember the villain tries to like take him down and he has it's an orange, right? I think in his pocket. That's right. Yeah. And he tosses it. And it hits a button and it's like a, I don't know, Looney Tunes ejector seat or something. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And the alien falls to their death and he's like, you know, but no second chances. That's the kind of man I am. Or there's a, so I think that is kind of built in of like, he's a fun doctor unless you piss him off and then you're dead. Like, I think that was kind of. Yeah, totally. I, I always think he's like um, Dr. Dad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, I, I love my dad, but he just doesn't put up with any shit and yeah. he holds a fucking grudge yeah <laughs> like, don't don't cross that man once that's the only chance you get no because i feel like of the new doctors i mean and i i don't know how to you know analyze uh dr cool in his leather jacket like his, uh, his doctor but uh i i think like capaldi is probably the grumpiest like just the outwardly like dickest to like his companion he just he seemed a little put off by all of it he was he was a very cross very cross man he you you saw him soften up a bit but yeah th throughout his run it was just uh um with, no nonsense no nonsense for that dude yeah which i and to be i gotta be honest i didn't watch much of jody whitaker uh which is a shame because i love her i just the episodes didn't really yep. do it for me but uh she she it seems like they made a hard turn the other way with her of like what if the doctor was the opposite of that <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah i guess the opposite being what if we for forget to write a personality for this doctor yeah but man she was styled so good i really wish it was better for her because i really like yeah. her and i really you love her styling I, I love her style i also love like i love how she 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 does that balance that balance between um being a goofy idiot and being the smartest thing in the universe. Yeah. It's really cool. I, yeah. I like what I like what she's doing for the the lack of character that they're giving her, I I, I suppose. Yeah. And and obviously just to finish it out, uh Matt Smith was just horny. 
Like he played he the horny the, doctor. The, he was the horniest of all the do- like not even close. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't mean of the new ones. I mean of all. I mean, I mean like Baker was horny as hell, but nothing nothing compared to uh, to Matt Smith. He was. This might be this might be a Mandela effect, but in my memory, I feel like there was an episode where uh, River just like whipped it out and just like they just went to town. I. I think you may have Mandela that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I haven't. I haven't gotten that far yet. But yeah, yeah. You may. You, you may have Mandela. I think it might have just been implied, and then maybe my brain like filled in the rest. Maybe. You're, are you thinking that he actually whips out Shaquille O'Neal, and she goes to town on Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah, that was. That's yeah, what it was. That was. That's what it was. Man, by the way, if I, this is just um, to get on one more tangent before we actually get into the stuff that I was planning on talking about. But uh, I, if the show How To with John Wilson on HBO Max is legit one of the best television shows I've watched recently. It made me so happy. I highly recommend it. They actually, I thought of it because they did an episode that talked about the Mandela effect. Okay. Uh, which is really good. Which also, if we're just plugging things, you and I did an episode where we talked about the Mandela effect on our friends, the Curiosos podcast years ago. So we did, yeah. We and we even touched on it a little bit in our uh, the one live episode that you and I did together on uh, what was it, New Year's Eve? Yeah, that was it's coming up on like that was like four years ago on New Year's Eve, I think. Uh, I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the how to with John Wilson is really great. It's, uh, produced by Nathan Fielder. So it's got a, like a little bit Nathan for you energy, but it's also, it's, it's very difficult to describe, but it's, it kind of, to me, I think the closest thing I can describe it, it feels like if Abed Nadir from community, if we actually got to watch the documentaries he was making. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because it's a guy, it's John Wilson, and he's making documentaries, and they're all how to do something, but they all have a profound depth that sneaks up on you in every episode, because all the episodes are like how to make small talk, but then it like examines the human condition at some point in the episode. That that is cool, and that, that also has Nathan Fielder written all over it. Yeah, like when I found out Nathan Fielder produced it, I was like, that makes complete sense to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I've written it down, so I'll check that out. Yeah, and there, it's only like six episodes, uh, and oh. I honestly recommend not looking into it further than what I've said, because I've given the vaguest oh. of descriptions, but it's like every single episode felt like just a, a fascinating discovery where I was never quite sure where it was going to go. And uh, it consistently surprised me with the episode. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend that one. But what I want to talk about right now mm-hmm. to switch mm-hmm. gears. So last week, you know, we did some COVID talk and we talked about, uh, was it Martin Kenyon? I think was the guy's name, the 91 year old British man. Yes. And we played his audio. I have, I think the opposite of that. Oh, uh, and I was talking to you before <laughs> the show and you said you didn't really know about this. But so apparently, you know, the new Mission Impossible movie is being filmed right now uh, uh-huh. with Tom Cruise, uh, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who I am for sure on record as loving profoundly uh-huh. yes. <laughs> the work yes. of Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise and those movies. I love yeah. those Mission yeah, Impossible yeah, yeah. movies. Yeah, uh, you're, you're always like you're, you never... You never, 
You never expound on it any more than, man, I love that movie. Do you see the new Mission Impossible? But I loved it. Yeah. It was great. I love it. Like, never, <clears throat> never going into any detail because I, I think you know what those movies are. But yeah, you're, it was great. Well, it was so great. <laughs> I mean, I truly have – what I've come to believe is I, I think Christopher McQuarrie is brilliant. Like, I really do. You know, I mean, the guy, mm-hmm. if you don't know, his first movie was The Usual Suspects. That was in his 20s out the gate. He wrote The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he did The Way of the Gun. And then, you know, things kind of stalled out for a while. And he came back and he reinvented himself with this second career – like like second act to his career, I mean, doing Tom Cruise action movies. He did Edge of Tomorrow, he wrote. Uh, and then he re- writes and directs these Mission Impossible movies. And to me, I think what's fascinating about them is they are definitely pretty cookie-cutter action movies with big set pieces. But they're made by someone who's probably too talented to be making these movies. And yeah. so they have this little like je ne sais quoi of right. being better than they have any right to be like they're. Yes. Yeah. I've always thought that this, <clears throat> this second life in the, uh, in the mission impossible movies, when each one comes out, I think, Oh, this is, this is what James Bond movies think they are. Yeah. Like this is what James Bond movies were I in my memory. Maybe they never right. were, but right, what I right, believe right. that they were. But yeah, they're the best James Bond movies that were being made today, you know. Totally. And by the way, I I watched uh I don't know. I watch a I watch a bunch of crap because uh <laughs> Julia and I like to watch good stuff together, like good stuff and old stuff and comfort food. I save good stuff to to watch with her, so I've been watching a bunch of bullshit um on my own. <clears throat> And um, uh, one of those things is watching the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies that have been on uh, streaming services. And um, uh, not I remember not ever being able to finish Quantum of Solace. And I did that. And I know why I couldn't finish it. I remember liking Casino Royale. Oh, does it not hold up? Because I remember liking Casino Royale. It's really stupid. Dude, it's so stupid. I mean, I believe you because I haven't gone back and watched it, but I also have a memory of seeing that movie in the theater and liking it quite a bit. So I would believe it doesn't hold up. But yeah, it it really doesn't. Like, I I don't know it. And I can't even tell you why. It's not because it's like, it's, I don't know. Quantum of Solace is easy to explain. Because Quantum of Solace was made during the writer's strike. So they. That's right. That's right. They did have that. Like, I think even Daniel Craig has come out and admitted that it's terrible because they were like, we weren't allowed to hire writers. So I think he wrote it. Like, I, but he. Yeah, I think no, he, he, he did. He and um, the director kind of had to piece together because, you know, someone writes a movie, they don't just like film whatever the writer wrote. You're you're doing rewrites and and taking into account where you can shoot and all this crap. So he and yeah. the director kind of had to piece that together on their own because they didn't have any. You know, everyone else was in the union and they were on strike. So um, they did that on their own, and you can see it does suffer for that. Um, I also which, remember. Yeah, I always thought that's that was the deal, but then you watch Casino Royale, I'm like it's it is just it's just stupid. 
It's, just, yeah. it's fun, stupid. I'm not saying don't watch it. It's easy to watch, and it, there's cool people and fun outfits, and they're all sexy and doing stuff. But I thought it was complicated and gritty, but it's not complicated and gritty. It's just dumb, man. It's pretty <laughs> fucking dumb. I'm trying to remember. Isn't Skyfall the one that it's like... It, it, Skyfall fell prey to that trend that everybody did, just to tie it all back to Chris Nolan, where everyone thought their villain had to be captured on purpose as part of his plan. But uh-huh. then it was like if you pulled that thread for Skyfall of like his plan was to be captured, it like I just remember that movie collapsed. It was just a house of cards of like an explanation as to what his plan is and why that was a part of it. And like six things had to happen exactly how they did that he couldn't have controlled for him to have escaped the way that he did. I just remember that one being real dumb. And then also the way Bond reacts to it because he has to protect Judy Dench and he does... He does everything wrong with that. Like I just one minute, but you have an you have an entire branch of the the United Kingdom's government to protect this woman. I'm gonna take her to a remote country house and do it by myself. Yeah, but that's not necessary. That isn't part of the plot. Yeah, <laughs> which which again is where the I do think that the Mission Impossible movies have become better James Bond movies than yes. the James because like they have fun with that stuff when. It's Alec Baldwin and like it's a part of the plan, but then the it's just it's a lot of like brinksmanship where like everybody gets to play to the height of their intelligence and like the rug gets pulled out from the villains for like a minute. But then there's a bigger rug that they pull out from under like it. It does it well. Like, I mean, seriously, like it's it is a skill and they have that skill with those movies. And I think it's really impressive what they do with those movies as far as um machismo is concerned because i think there are a, there's a lot of testosterone in these movies and it's very easy for it to be to become quickly a dick measuring contest and i think everyone walks up to the table everyone unzips their fly and no one pulls it out i think yeah. they get right up to the edge and then say that that actually isn't practical we need to do what's smart here well and i mean like that was the brilliance of henry cavill's character too who like one that mustache that ruined all the reshoots uh-huh. of justice uh-huh. league is totally warranted because it's great but also he is just like the personification of dick waving that entire movie yes. like yeah, and it's yeah. it's done so perfectly from minute 1 where they jump he's he's a total dick about jumping like free jumping during a storm and it knocks out his oxygen tank and then tom cruise has to almost kill himself to save this like fucking lug-headed idiot that just like jumped in without thinking about it gets his oxygen on to henry cavill who's passed out and going to die without his intervention then cavill gets enough oxygen to wake up lands perfectly while ethan has this really rough landing and then cavill just looks at him is like hey you're your oxygen tank fell off. And it's just like, boop, 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 boop. Like, just, I'm a completely unfazed asshole. Boop, boop, right, boop, right. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. <clears throat> and that's always, to me, that's always entertaining because I'm always, I'm always one of the other dudes watching that dude. And yeah. I find that in my real life all, always hilarious. So I love it yeah. when, when writers do that. And I think, um, uh, uh, Joss Whedon. I think Joss Whedon had some fun with that with with Tony Stark. Um, uh, I don't know. I had another example, but I lost it. I also, see it a lot, and I love it. I love it when there's a guy just like you said, just waving his dick around 
around like five other dudes and those five other dudes are going, we're not, we're not doing this. Yeah. This isn't a fucking thing we care about. Put your dick away. We have <laughs> shit to do. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Like anyway, but so all of that to tee up the fact uh, that this week some audio came out. So they're filming a new mission impossible and it is Tom Cruise. It's Christopher McQuarrie. Obviously all of this is happening now when COVID is a real concern. So apparently on the set, Tom Cruise walking by two crew members who were standing too close to one another, looking at some monitors, uh, you know, basically breaking the onset COVID protocols in place on this oh. movie by B. They weren't socially distancing. They were too close together. I, I'm not entirely sure. I guess maybe he was wearing a body mic. I'm not sure if they just like, they, but there's audio. So there's audio of okay. Tom Cruise. Oh, no kidding. He's he's admonishing these people on audio? Yes. And that is what I have for you now. And you, you said you haven't heard this, but yeah, but yeah, this is Tom Cruise talking to crew members who were not socially distanced on okay. the set of the new Mission Impossible. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their homes because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table. I'll pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. In the future of the industry. So I'm sorry, I'm beyond your apologies. I have told you, and now I want it. And if you don't do it, you're at. We are not shutting this movie down! Is it understood? If I see it again, you're gone. And so are you. So you're gonna cost him his job. And I see it on the set, you're gone. And you're gone. That's it. Am I clear? Do you understand what I want? Do you understand the responsibility that you have? Because I will deal with your reason. And if you can't be reasonable, and I can't deal with your logic, you're fired. That's it. That is it. <laughs> Seriously. Well, damn. I, I haven't heard Tom Cruise that upset since he had Colonel Jessup on the stand. And he was trying to get him to admit to the code oh, red. Boy. Like, oh, my boy. <laughs> like, he, he wants the truth. Yeah. It's, he handled the fuck out of them, man. Jesus. It's it's so fascinating to me because it's like 
it it my first thought on it i don't know because that, that was your first time hearing it so i don't know what your initial thoughts are but like it reminds me a lot of the christian bale audio that came out but it, yeah, it came but, like, mind. but like it's weird because it would be like if christian bale was like yelling at everyone for not like oh come on this guy's hanging up lights and no one's helping him get a ladder yeah. <laughs> come on no, you're right it's it's if like it was the same vitriol that christian bale had but it was for stuff that actually matters yeah like he's not wrong he's just being yeah. a dick <laughs> like, and i don't think this couldn't have been the this first couldn't have been the first time oh, yeah. that he he tried to tell someone how important it was to not do the shit that they're doing. Yeah, no, I mean, like I I do think that it's probably yeah that 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 it's hard to enforce like it, because and I mean the real truth of it is like this gets into a larger question that certainly you and I are not uh, qualified to answer, but of like should we be making movies right now? And like right. you know the he's he's right in that like. Hollywood is sort of taking this gamble to try to start back up production. And right. he is aware, I think correctly that if they fuck it up and there's a huge COVID outbreak while filming mission impossible, that that's going to be bad for the industry and that people, you know, that cause he, and he is talking a lot about like people, you know, like the, crew side of things like the the in, the people in the industry who like because he's not like saying like i tom cruise am concerned because obviously tom cruise is going to be okay but it is much more it seems like couched in like this industry will shut down and a lot of people will lose jobs like you two have the power to like cost other people their jobs if you're not responsible totally look i was um <sighs> I was I was fully prepared to make fun of Tom Cruise before you played that clip. I'm I'm kind of with him. Yeah. Like seriously, th there's something there's something about that guy that rubs me the wrong way. His, his spirit is correct. The way he executed, I don't I, I, like. I don't know. I'm going to criticize a one moment in time of a whole person's life. I don't fucking know. But I've been close to there. You know, I don't want to. I. It, don't want to slash am not able to go into detail about what happened at my work, but I'll, I'll just say that like, um, uh, you know, I can't, I can't, I don't know everyone that listens to this show, but I'm thinking of the people who I do know that listen and the people in my life, a lot of them, if not all of them have not been able to, to go to work. If they're even able to work, I, I know that you've been able to work off and on throughout this, but, uh, you know, my wife and I have been, have been going to work throughout the entire thing and seen people do dumb shit. And like, you know, uh, if it gets stupid enough, you might find your ass like not working anymore when we could have kept working, but you fucked it up. Didn't you? One person fucked it up. And I came close to telling, um, a colleague, not even telling, asking a colleague of mine. And when I say came close, I meant I have, I have a lot of control over whatever temper I have. I really don't have one. It comes out every once in a while, but I almost asked this person who I've known for a long time, seriously, 
are you stupid? Are you are you stupid? Like ans- answer the question, are you stupid? And, but I removed myself from the situation because I knew I was going to say that because someone was just being very, very stupid. And so I'm kind of with him. Like he's like, look how privileged we are to be able to work in this industry. We're at work right now. There's people losing their homes. There's people who can't pay for their education. There's people who's whose lives will maybe not ever even be able to bounce back from this situation we're in. And you two fucking nimrods are not doing shit that we're supposed to be doing. So get it right or fuck you. And I'm kind of with that. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, one of those things where, yeah, you definitely want to say like, you know, it's, it's, and I think Christian Bale's a good example. It's, Usually not a good thing for a, a film set where someone who has the status of a movie yeah. star, like, cause that is the part that's always going to come in is status. I mean, he's Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. So if Tom Cruise yells at you, he has a lot more status and power in that situation than you do. But mm-hmm. it does seem like in this situation, he is using it to enforce COVID protocols, which is hard for me to be against, you know, like, because, you know, I, I think there's a much larger conversation to be had about every way that this country has handled COVID, but people aren't taking it seriously. And there are people who are lax. And I've seen that in work situations. I've seen that in situations where I've had to, you know, go to the grocery store and I watched people with masks around their chin or whatever, you know, like I, I try to not go out as much as possible. And when I do, I'm usually reminded that uh, there are people who do not take this stuff very seriously and it's very frustrating. And so I'd be lying if I said I didn't find it a little bit cathartic to to hear someone. No, no, definitely. Because you want to, you, you do kind of want to go off on people like that, but like, you know, it's obvious to, to me, (sighs) It, I don't know. He's a Tom Cruise is a character. <laughs> he's, I mean, a, he's yeah. That's he's why a, he's a unique person. Yeah, he's done some some weird stuff. Oh yeah, and uh, there's there's totally like just to be clear, since I've I've been very favorable, uh, and I am generally kind of favorable towards Tom Cruise. Like, there's a lot to him and Scientology and his power and his <laughs> like history. Well, now you did it. You said you said it. You said the fucking word. Now we're on a list. Oh God! You know they keep track of that shit. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully Scientology hasn't reached Kenya. Because if we lose them, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this show. Because I'm so excited that they're listening. Yeah. Well, they also if if the opening is to be believed, uh, they won't get to this episode for years. So, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, we got yeah. some we got some time because I, yeah. I like genuinely, I genuinely love that they might be listening. I mean, but I one hundred percent. I think that's your and my separate retirement plans. Is we we're both just hoping that at someday we can have like a searching for Sugar Man type arrival oh, in Kenya. Oh, that would oh that would be fantastic. Oh, a sugar man situation. I didn't think about that. I thought our retirement plan would be to retire to Kenya because I've looked up all kinds of stuff about I mean, them now yeah. and it's an it's an excellent climate. I mean, yeah, um, the bar's pretty low. I mean, resources? Are you yeah. kidding me? It's a beautiful place. No, the bar's being low. It, like, you know, I mean, should we be so lucky to have sugar man type numbers in Kenya? But I'd be happy <laughs> if it's like, you know, 20 people who are like super into the show. 
Sugar man type number. <laughs> That's what um, we're all going for, you know? That's what we're all seeking in the podcast game. Yes, we all want to be a, 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 a secret superstar in an African nation. You know what's fun is you could be. Because he didn't know. That was like the whole thing. He didn't know. No, yeah. no, no. He's living in a shack in Detroit. You're right. We could be. We could be. <laughs> there is no uh, better one-to-one for podcasting, by the way. Because he was like an anomaly in the music industry. But for podcasting, uh-huh. isn't that what we're all doing? We're all just like <laughs> shouting into a void and hoping you know, someone you, is listening. You're absolutely right. I guess I was avoiding uh, confronting that reality. No, that's what I'm all for, man. End of 2020, let's just let's just <laughs> confront the dark realities in front of us. I was going to say, <laughs> Tom Cruise being such a weird dude uh, some of the time, he... um. It doesn't sound to me that like this was staged at all. Like the audio oh, I, doesn't sound doesn't sound like like it. Also, even though he, th- this seems like a message he he would put out there. He wouldn't be yelling it at people because he wants everyone to think he's a nice guy, whether he is or not. He wants everyone to to think it or know it or whatever. Yes. It yeah. seems like he was genuinely pissed off that people were not following the protocols over and over. And, um, I don't, I don't disagree with anything he said. It was definitely, it was definitely like heaving his chest around of like, I'm, this is a Mission Impossible movie and I'm Tom Cruise and you're going to listen to what I have to say. Maybe he's been holding this in for the past nine months or whatever. Yeah. And so, and so he, he laid it on the line for him because he knows they have to listen. But that being said, I don't disagree with any of it. Yeah, it was funny. I actually saw Roy Wood Jr. Uh, respond to this, and he kind of said that he's been on sets where they, where he was like basically more effective than yelling at people like Tom Cruise. He was like, I was on a set where the guy was just gone, and like you came back from lunch, and a new guy <laughs> was doing the job, and he was like, that is an effective like move yeah. on a movie set, and also. Like that guy that you bring in to replace the other guy after lunch works harder than anyone else. (laughs) But no shit. But I do think that's something worth considering. Of like he he did give them a chance before he could have just fired for whatever reason for whatever calculation. Tom Cruise could have whispered to an assistant, and those people could have lost their jobs quickly and without any kind of scene. He definitely chose to make it what it was. I also, because he's Tom Cruise and because he has had the truly eclectic both career and just fame that he has had for decades, I what strikes me about that audio is I think he's been a movie star for so long, even his off-the-cuff... Because I don't think it's staged. I 100% do not think it's staged. However, okay. his off-the-cuff like rants are kind of like movie dialogue. Like I think he thinks in movie dialogue at this point. No, totally. There were there were perfectly perfectly timed pregnant pauses. Yeah. The emphasis was there. The um uh the uh, allocution was perfect. That's I what I'm saying. He's worked perfect audio. I understood every word, Tom. Yeah. No, he's hitting you. Yeah. No, it's it's a good performance. I both believe it's genuine and I believe that he just in his sleep is a movie star at this point. So I think even like his 
<laughs> yelling at the crew is just it feels like it's a scene from a movie hey, i'm not kidding i really did think of a few good men it's not that different to me than like yeah no no it's uh it's pretty close yeah i uh i did i didn't in a million years think you were going to share with me audio of of Tom Cruise actually being a, a little bit of a hero, a little bit. Oh, I when I saw this story trending and I saw that there was audio, I my immediate response was like, oh no. I was, <laughs> was kind of like, is this the end of Oh boy. Do I have to renounce I, the my yeah. widely stated love of him in these movies? Is this I, uh, I have really lost the moral high ground on my long running <laughs> podcast. Jesus. But but no, I, I listened and I was like, yeah, okay. I mean there was maybe a more constructive way to get that information out there, but I don't disagree with the thesis. Like, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, look, you know, look, we're still, we're still, we're still doing this right now, and there's, I don't know, a, a, a shimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. But yeah, it's like it, it's, you know, it sucks. But do you work on a fucking movie set? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. both, both, um, uh, my wife and I. D- do you, like we work for a living you know what i mean no one sees the shit we do yeah but i i promise you see the results of the shit that we do and like um it is a pain in the ass to um uh it's a pain in the ass to wear all that that ppe at work and a mask and like both of us we um we break out a lot on our faces now because we're wearing masks all day long and we're always have to be conscientious of where we are in relation to our coworkers, and it's a it's a pain in the ass and uh, but but we get it and we try to do it and it, some days you're okay with it that's the best we can do most days you're you're not okay with it but you can do it and then there's some days you're like fuck this i would ra- i would rather just not i would rather just i'm going to quit i'm going to be unemployed rather than do this shit because i'm so tired of it but you don't do that so you keep going you're in the goddamn movie industry i'm not saying you don't work I- i'm sure you work very very hard but you get to make movies yeah you get to make movies <laughs> just just do do the thing, man. Just do all the things that they're asking you to do, so we can um we can get back to uh we can get back to way me some some semblance of the the way it was, whether Warner Brothers exists or not. Because boy, oh boy, are people pissed off at them. We oh. talked about people being pissed off at them, but everybody's pissed off at them. Yeah, yeah, no, which is is fascinating too, because we we talked a lot about the Warner Brothers stuff, and then. You know, Disney came out and announced a thousand television shows. Like <laughs> they are actually making uh, five hundred episodes of new Star Wars content, and like, <laughs> it's, it's yep, that's what they do. That's what they do. Look, a Star Wars thing was good. Let's water it down and and keep making stuff just like it until no one cares anymore. Let's confoundingly make a variety of Star Wars <laughs> things set in different time periods, all released at once, so that there is zero chance that anyone outside of like the most hardcore fan will be able to keep track of what timelines anything takes place in. Because it I, seems like they they like the uh, they like that. Um. They like that uh, episode eight. It was kind of mixed, uh, but they like some parts of it. Let's just let's just make an episode nine out of half, <laughs> and we'll hope 
that it's the half that they liked that didn't work. But this TV show's working. Greenlight all the TV shows. Hire Hayden Christensen again because he was in three of those movies and those movies made money. So they must be good. Let me ask you this since you've mentioned Hayden Christensen, uh, who we definitely talked about recently on our David Prowse episode. But you so because, again, all these timelines are confusing, but they announced Hayden Christensen for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. So this is a show starring Ewan McGregor set Mm -hmm. after the prequels. So as far as I remember... Uh, Hayden Christensen is all melted and in a Darth Vader suit at this point, which, so I'm guessing, so this is my question because I find I, it feels like an utter waste as much as we, again, we just did a whole thing about David Prowse. We love David Prowse. He was the guy that originally played Darth Vader in the suit. Hayden Christensen was in the suit for five seconds in, uh, the third prequel movie. I don't feel like you cast him to be in the suit. So what are you casting him for? Is there going to be a lot of stuff with Darth Vader's helmet off? Or are you casting him because you're going to do flashbacks and you're going to do like some retconning of the prequels to try to get them? I wish I'm not even saying this is a bad idea because I think those prequels need some retconning to like make anything work. And you and I talked a lot about how there has never been a strong connection between like, that was literally what we just talked about is like, it doesn't feel like Anakin Skywalker ever became Darth Vader. And while I don't have confidence in this show to be the thing that makes that happen, it seems to me that if you're casting Hayden Christensen, that's what you're interested in is somehow bridging that gap a little bit more. And maybe essentially, with this TV show making what we have said before is arguably probably what the third movie should have been anyway, which is like a movie where he is Darth Vader, but not fully yet. And he sort of makes the final transition from Anakin to Darth Vader. I feel like that, like, I don't know what your th- thought is, but that to me is the only reason because otherwise you just cast the voice of James Earl Jones. And then I don't know, probably a professional wrestler or something to play Darth Vader. Yeah, totally. That, I mean, that's what, that's gotta be what it is. I don't know if they're, um, I don't know if you're going to recreate stuff from the clone wars because that series was really, really good. Uh, or yeah, it's going to be some retcon. There'll be some flashbacks, some retconning. I don't care. I don't care if they want to, remake revenge of the sith with him as far as i'm just fucking do it with zero explanation <laughs> don't say like no not a un- new universe just this is this is actually what happened because what happened was dumb well that's i'm only on board if we're getting natalie portman back too because she deserves oh, totally, a totally. better arc than she got in that movie a hundred percent um yeah that that's gotta be what it is which is which is a little weird because um I don't know as far as I can tell Ewan McGregor um 
is ageless. But Hayden Christensen was a, a young man. I mean, he was a, yeah, he a doesn't late look teens, like he, early twenties guy. He, yeah. he doesn't look like that anymore. And I don't know if that's a way. There's a way that he could look like that. Or they're just gonna do Better Call Saul rules, which we've all just accepted. Because like, right. I love the television show Better Call Saul. Yeah. I truly believe it's the best drama on TV right now. But like, yeah. straight up, they're just like Bob Odenkirk looks the same as he did thirty years ago, and it's like, okay, sure. Here's this guy from Breaking Bad. Why? Is he way older in this prequel than he was in Breaking Bad? I always because the show's so good. I I often forget that. No, I shouldn't say often forget it. It's brought to my attention so infrequently. But it, when something when something happens in the show and it does strike my memory of this is a prequel, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Why does he look like that? That's, <laughs> also that's weird. Just re- just realized that in both uh, of these universes, Giancarlo Esposito is a terrifying nemesis. That's right. Giancarlo Esposito is a calculating, terrifying man. Yeah, he's really great at doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is bread and butter, baby. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that one... I, I, so, let me ask you, because, you know, we didn't talk about these Star Wars shows, but that, to me, is the one out of all of them. And, again, I... I would be fine if we just were making <laughs> The Mandalorian and maybe like one more show or something. Sure. <laughs> but that being said, taking that out of the vacuum and just like accepting that this is the world we live in. I do think that the the Obi-Wan one is probably the most interesting to me of anything they announced just in terms of like, I don't know, resonance to Star Wars or like, you know, mm-hmm. purpose. I I'm really confusing, and again, don't don't want to open a can of worms. I I'm not sure I understand why we're doing an Andor from uh, the Rogue One TV show. Okay, I I get. I'm guessing it's a prequel. Spoilers, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love I love stories that take place right there. I yeah. love stories that take place between episodes three and four. I think that it's such an interesting time with people trying to find their way. Um, through the galaxy because it's a it's a fucking wreck. Well, this would also theoretically then put that around the same time as Obi Wan, right? Or potentially they they both take potentially, place. Unless, yeah. You know, yeah, because <clears throat> we know we know when Ewan McGregor played Obi Wan. Okay, you cast Ewan McGregor, so we know how old Obi Wan's supposed to be, and we know when he dies. So yeah, there's a there's a small window. Especially if Hayden Christensen is going to be involved. Well, also, are they going to age him up a lot? Like, when does he become Alec Guinness? Is there, like, one really bad year that just... Right, right. (laughs) I always... Anytime they try to do that, what I see is that uh, they do that time lapse... um, um, They do that time lapse segment in that movie Looper, where is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, a little bit older Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And I remember watching it and thinking, I either have to accept that or I need to stop watching this movie. <laughs> this was also <laughs> that was also a, an issue they ran into with How I Met Your Mother too, where it would be like, uh, yeah, which w- that one was even more baffling because like there wasn't enough of a gap to begin with between what is it, Josh Radner and and Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Yeah. But the idea, like, because they would do flash forwards to like future Ted, and he was still. <laughs> Josh Rat, and it's like at some point you have to become Bob Saget. Apparently, they there had to someone 
Why didn't anyone, before they started making that show, say, why is it Bob Saget? Why can't it just be the guy playing the part? Yeah, I... I, Why are we doing the Bob Saget thing? You would have thought it would have been like a producer somewhere who's like going over the budget of like, you realize we're paying Bob Saget, who, look, I no offense to Bob Saget, he's not adding anything to the show. No, no, he is... He is a comic revelation. He, but he's just reading words from a piece of paper that are not funny. Yeah. That just keep the story moving along. I guess, does he, do one of you owe Bob Saget money? Raise your hand if you owe Bob Saget money. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't know what it was, but he, I mean, cushy gig for him. Congrats to Saget. I mean, I, I like the guy. So uh, you get paid Saget. Hey, Saget, you getting paid? Are they paying you? Are they paying you yet, Saget? <laughs> Make sure you're getting paid, Saget. <laughs> uh yeah, I <laughs> But I yeah, so I guess that's interesting. I I'm not very particularly excited for the Lando Calrissian show, uh, even though I love Donald Glover, uh, except for the fact that like there was some stuff about solo that was interesting that I don't know if this is just gonna serve as like the sequel that we're never gonna get to solo and like Darth Maul gets to be in it or whatever. Sure. I would watch that. I would watch that uh, one dude be Han Solo in a TV show if they wanted to do that. The What I'm not excited about is the meddling. You know, it took him a year. It took him a year to get all these things off the ground. But M- the Mandalorian was so popular so quickly that they put him in development all at the same time. You know, we need to get these things off the ground because they don't understand what's good about it. They just know it has the Star Wars label on it. Well, and that's where you're getting into this thing of like, you know, and and granted, there are a number of really talented uh, writers and directors who work on The Mandalorian. But to oversimplify it, it's essentially Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni are the two people that should be trusted with an overarching like star Wars universe. And they both have proven themselves as getting the world doing good work, making the Mandalorian consistently good. I don't know that spreading them super thin is a good idea. And also I don't know if they're not going to be involved in all these shows who is. So that's because also, I mean, Disney did the thing that unfortunately is all too common of like, they announced all of these shows. They announced zero writers for any right. of the shows. No, yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> and I mean, you got, you know, we talk, <laughs> I mean, basically on any given week, we talk about uh, five different creators and directors on this show, right? And and it's, um, they can't, they can't do everything for fuck's sakes. So are you going to draw from the material that's already been put out there by, by people who have, meticulously written stories like they did? Are you going to put it in the hands of people who understand the material and want to have fun with it and give them free reign to do it like they did? Or are you going to be, are you going to be Disney and say, it doesn't matter. It has star Wars on it. We gave you all this money, Ron Howard and make the fucking movie or TV show or special yeah. or whatever the hell it is. You don't get what's special about it. You know what just hit me? I don't think I ever thought about the fact that Ron Howard directed Solo 
and Ron Howard is Ron Howard. But like Bryce Dallas Howard directs episodes of The Mandalorian and is really good yeah. at it. She's really good at it. Yeah. That's I, I just never made that connection. But like she's legit great at directing The Mandalorian. I think she directed yeah. the the thing that my bobblehead. I think she did that episode, the little sippy cup uh, bone broth. I think that was her episode. Oh, okay. I, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, um, look, you took you took Bill Burr of all the fucking people. I made him a legit badass Star Wars character that is, by the way, relatable to a lot of people. Can I ask you a question about his character? Was he a stormtrooper? He wasn't a stormtrooper. <laughs> You know what did hit me, by the way, uh, and I love Bill Burr in this show, which I, I didn't expect, but he he was legit great uh, this season. But it did hit me with him and then um, with, forgive me, what is that the actress's name who's now uh, hanging out with Boba Fett that, you know, like... Ming-Na uh, uh, Ming Wen? Yeah, thank you. Um, but like with all of them, you can kind of see a little bit of it. If you view it through the lens of we announced 10 new star Wars shows of like, Hey, all these characters that were one-offs that, you know, either died or were in prison or whatever. We need to spend season two of the Mandalorian making them available for future episodes. So right. she didn't die. He's out of jail. <laughs> like it definitely seems like there's a lot of world building of like, we're going to need people that can you know, be recognizable and in these other, cause I think at least one of the other shows is set at the same time as the Mandalorian, if not more than one. That's right. That's right. Cause I think, I don't know. Remember, remember when we used to get excited about new star Wars shit. Remember when it was like once a year you would get a new star Wars. And that seemed wild that you were like, we're, we have a promise that, that every happened. year that, ha that happened in our lives not too long ago. Yeah. Do you remember when there was a long period of our lives where it was like, there are three star Wars movies and there yeah. will never be more. Never ever again. And then there were, Oh, there's going to be three, three new ones. We got excited about that. Yeah. We know how that turned out. And then there's going to be some new ones. And we saw how that turned out, but we have the Mandalorian. And now here we go again, I guess. I don't know. I'm jaded at this point. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, wild. I think I um, I think I texted you this because you were you when all this when Disney d took this giant media shit of Star Wars. You're like, did, did you see what just happened? And I hadn't, and you let me know, and I thank you. And I was, I told you they tried to walk that shit back with um the Baby Yoda merchandise last year. They said, well, we we didn't want to spoil that for anyone. <laughs> yeah. That happened in the first episode and we didn't want to spoil it. So we didn't, we didn't make or market any merchandise. Yeah. That seems like, break. seems like Disney bunch, bunch of assholes. They really care about story first and merchandise second. That's you Disney. didn't give a fuck about this TV show. So it was in the hands of people who cared about it, who made their money go a long way and they did a phenomenal job. And now that they did that, you just want to cookie cutter that shit into oblivion. I guess. I don't know. You have to just understand what makes it special. And look, it happened. It happened with the MCU. Somehow we made it all the way through, made it all the way through. Thanos died twice, you know, and still they're, they're all, Pretty fucking decent. Some phenomenal. Well, remember, Most pretty good. Remember how you couldn't find any MCU merchandise? So they didn't make any Thanos toys or anything because they didn't want to spoil anything that happened in Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah. you just you couldn't find it. You couldn't find a Thanos toy anywhere. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Give me a fucking braid. All I'm saying is, and I'm not saying I'm not saying this to anyone in particular. I'm saying I guess I'm saying it to I'm saying it to existence, to the ether, to the universe, to to whatever god you believe in. Don't do this to me again. Yeah. If yeah. you're gonna do it, just just do it. It's a really simple thing. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sink a prayer in on this one or anything. It's not so important. It's just a little bit of, of popular culture that I really, really like. But so many chances, so many good things that could have happened that didn't. Just come on. Come yeah. on. Can we just can we just not do this again? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. No. Well, well said. I, I have nothing to add. I think I agree with that completely. Gee, Jesus. I hey, we have a little bit of time left. Can I? Will you grant me a? And I'm going to admit going in a pedantic, uh, moment to to get into because I teased the idea that I saw Tenant, and oh, sure. I just this is all I want to say. I I liked Tenant. I enjoyed it. That Christopher Nolan, he's he's real good at making movies. Uh, but okay. and and I'm gonna keep it vague because I know you haven't seen it. I'm gonna guess uh a lot of our. I hope uh you know a lot of our listeners haven't seen it because I certainly didn't see it until it came out on uh blu-ray this week because i wasn't oh, no shit. Okay. i wasn't going to a theater so i saw it like was out and i purchased it because i figured i would but like i understand that people haven't seen it because you know we're, we're all being responsible but right. uh i watched it and i liked it and then i got curious and i was like reading some review because i i just had that i purposefully not like read anything but then i was like you know i'm curious what the reaction was to this movie because it sort of did was a little bit forgotten in terms of its release and everything with this year. Yeah. So I di I really didn't know how it was received. And now that I had seen it, I was kind of curious and I just, this is all I'm going to say. And I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything about the movie. Uh, but there were a number of reviews that were negative and the reviews were negative because the people claimed that the plot was really hard to follow. And I was very annoyed by this because I like, I think Christopher Nolan is good at like, at, because there's two things happening. There's the plot of the movie and there's the science of the movie. And I'm not going to talk okay. about what the science is. I think okay. if you've even seen a trailer, there's some scientific shenanigans happening in this movie. And I think that's fair to say, right. Then there's the plot of the movie. And I, this film, and this is no shade against it, is a pretty paint-by-numbers plot-wise. There's a villain, there's a hero, there's a thing that they're trying to get. <laughs> you know, like, that's the plot. Okay. If you're just talking about plot. There are various scientific shenanigans that complicate the plot. But I okay. just <laughs> wish we could get to a point... If we're going to have this discussion where we can differentiate the two, because there's a difference between like understanding the the quantum physics at play in Into the Spider-Verse and understanding Into the Spider-Verse. You know what I mean? Right. Into the Spider-Verse is right. a movie about Miles Morales uh, becoming Spider-Man and helping to send Spider-Man from other universes back to their home and, and right. say like... You can you get that watching it versus like, could I explain the science of, you know, alternate dimensions and parallel timelines and all that? Or like, can you explain the science of Avengers Endgame or back to the like, it just it particularly annoyed me with this movie because I'm like, 
I could not begin to explain to you what they're saying is the scientific basis for the things that happen in Tenet. But the plot is not hard to follow. And it really annoyed me that people weren't differentiating the two. So that's what I wanted to say about Tenet. If you've looked at reviews and if it you were concerned that you wouldn't understand the plot, trust me, it, it ain't complicated. <laughs> it is J.J. Abrams level. There's a MacGuffin and people want it. And there's a race to the MacGuffin. Right. That's that's so funny to hear. And you know, I said before, I hadn't seen most of us had it, but uh it, that's funny to hear because there are movies that are wildly popular. Um I'm going to I'm going to use the Fast and Furious franchise where there I find those plots almost impossible to follow. In fact, right. they are impossible to follow. <laughs> yes. You just stop following it at some point. Yeah, I don't know why it's happening. I guess it's just happening. So it's kind of cool that it's happening. So here we go. There's yeah. just like there's almost there almost isn't a plot. You know, there are plot points and I guess motivations, but then the the specific things that happen for the two plus hours of those fucking movies, you're literally just on the ride for. Why can't you do that? Why can't you do that with this one? Is it because Christopher Nolan's name is attached to it and yeah. people are just annoyed with him now like it's it's almost like the the ad hominem fallacy of this man made this movie so i'm gonna find it hard to follow and then it's self-manifesting yeah no i that is kind of i think that is why i'm bringing it up i think you nailed it in that like it felt to me like people were mad at christopher and look you and i spent a lot of time uh kind of pushing back at christopher nolan on i think last week's show right i mean i i you know, I certainly think there's a larger discussion to be had about his handling of releasing this movie during COVID. But if you're sure. going to sit down and write a review, you know, either don't write the review because you're protesting the movie or write it sincerely. But like it just it felt very disingenuous to me that a lot because it wasn't just one review. It was multiple reviews I saw that said I just couldn't follow the plot. One person was like, I watched it twice and I still couldn't tell you what happened. And I'm like, really? Cause I watched it once and it was pretty simple. Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> like you're just trying to like, because I think it's so mysterious. And because again, there's a lot of like, you know, scientific jargon said in the movie. And I mm. could not speak to you as to what a, if it would pass muster with a quantum physicist, <laughs> like watching it, but like right. in terms of like, literally like, look, I'll just say this and this is not a spoiler, but there's a part where it's like the one people have blue wristbands and the other people have red wristbands. Like okay. that's plot. That's making sure you follow. You might not understand what's happening scientifically, but like, do they have a blue armband or do they have a red armband that dictates how you should emotionally feel about what's happening to them? Yeah, that, that's like that spoon feeding you. That is literally making it easy to follow. Yeah. Follow the, that color. That's what I mean. It's just I thought it was really unfair because Nolan is a good enough filmmaker that I've never like I've certainly wondered why he made choices that he did. And I I've had sort of mixed feelings about his various films like i know a lot of people liked interstellar interstellar for me was one that left me kind of cold like just okay. in terms of like it wasn't my jam but like i've never not been able to follow 
the plot of a Christopher Nolan movie. And he's done some complicated ones. I mean, Memento is really complicated. Like it is, but you can under, like, I think he's actually incredibly deft at like understanding how to present complicated, high concept films to an audience that as long as you're paying attention enough, you can follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, um, I think you're right. If you, if you care about paying attention to movies, you can, you can follow one of those because it's not, he's, he's just asking you to accept what the characters are saying. Yeah. You don't have to believe them, but I think they speak very plainly and tell you what's, what's happening in this movie. And then you just accept it. You accept it so you can keep watching the damn movie. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's the, you know, it's the kind of thing of like, if you're going to stop and honestly, I think this is like those everything that's wrong with a movie in 30 seconds. Like this is that kind of thing seeping in of like, if you're going to sit there and go like, well, why would you make a time machine out of a DeLorean? And like, you know, then I don't understand. It's like, if you're asking those kind of questions, that's not the story. Like you're, you're basically Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) The movies, and that's like a different thing, you know, of like, this movie is scientifically preposterous. Okay. Most movies are. You know that like Bruce Willis ties a fire hose around his waist and jumps off an exploding building and we all accept it and it's a beloved action movie, but like Die Hard does not adhere to physics. If we, when you go to see a movie, um, that is, I don't know, a period piece and everyone is just acting like people and there's nothing to disbelieve. You hate those movies. And I don't know who this person is. I'm just know I know this person hates those movies. Well, they're just sitting around and talking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Give, give me a fucking break. You know what? You don't like movies then. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, this brings to mind and I know that, that we're running out of time here. But it brings to mind, um, I kind of manifested out this out of, out of basically nothing. Cause I've always been, um, I've always been a Terry Gilliam fan. Um, I think he makes interesting movies. I, that doesn't mean I like them all, but I think they're all interesting. He does shit different with the way he makes movies. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, uh, and I've always liked him. I've always been a Monty Python fan. Um, I like his aesthetics. I just like Terry Gilliam. I think he, when he made 12 Monkeys, he was trying to make a movie that people wouldn't just watch and say, well, that one was weird. Yeah. I know. I couldn't follow it. It was weird. There was weird shit going on. What is this? Because he would make things complicated and uh, and absurd. And yes, weird but but he was also making a movie he was just making a movie in a different way uh but it was still all all there on the screen right yeah it just wasn't it doesn't wasn't for mass intake i guess no and i i think to to put a bow on all of this so that we can end this show is that to take it back to like christopher McQuarrie or whatever i what worries me is what I love about Nolan, what I love about Terry Gillen, what I love about early Christopher McQuarrie is like, I like directors that are taking chances and doing wild swings and doing stuff that's interesting. And if 
we're living in a world where when they do that, even if they spend a lot of time and energy making sure that it is accessible to the audience, it seems like there's a threshold that certain people are just going to be like, no, nah, it's too weird or whatever. And it's too like, weird. then we don't get good movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't say, you don't, especially if you're someone who's writing reviews, it doesn't have to be definitive. This is I don't know, it's too weird and I couldn't follow it, therefore not good. It could just be not for you. But I was going to say about Terry Gilliam is he made 12 Monkeys and I think he was really trying to make a movie that was in his style, that was a little bizarre, that was look, looking at it through his eye, but had had a beginning and a middle and an end and you could follow it and it had an interesting plot. And you could you you could watch the whole thing through and say I know what happened in that movie and I thought it was interesting. That's what he was trying to do. Yeah, but still, still, as easy as that movie is to follow, it's a fucking circle. You know how easy a circle is to follow? You right. just keep following it. Yeah, and so <laughs> even then, people are like, "Well, what was the point? What was the point of all that? It's weird. There's no point to it, and there was weird stuff." Which is funny too because. Come on. Then, like, I never know how people make these decisions because then you get into shit like Donnie Darko, which is a movie that I enjoy. It's a movie I have tried to understand. I still am kind of like I I've read enough fan theories to be like, OK, I guess I accept that that's what's happening <laughs> in Donnie Darko. But like, you'd never know what watching it. Like, I'm just yeah, you, know, I, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. yeah so it's like. But people like that one because it's like a hipster indie movie. So we've decided that right. that one can be weird and nonsensical, even though like and I, I like that movie. I, I'm fine with it, but it's just it's funny to me. And I, I think just like with Nolan, what strikes me about him, what I think kind of hit me after watching Tenet is he talks. There's a lot of like if you've watched Interstellar, like if you he he seems sort of like passingly interested in science and sort of yeah. sciencey sounding things. But I actually think what he's really doing is looking at the fact that movies follow a pretty, you know, there's a structure, there's a three act structure, there's a hero's journey, you can study it like, you know, there's a pretty clear thing that is used to tell modern American films. And I think all of these things, whether it's Inception, whether it's Memento, whether it's Interstellar, whether it's Tenet, is him just looking at that and going, how can I tell a predictable story that follows a normal pattern, but in a way that approaches it differently. And I think all the choices are cinematic choices. I think he just mm -hmm. uses science to be like, because like, again, Inception, that's not how fucking dreams work. It's not like that's scientific, but it's like, I'm going to spend a lot of time explaining to you how these dream worlds work. And it's like, it's really just so you could tell a story where like, people could go from one world to another world to another world and have oh, yeah, like totally. three layers of plot happening <laughs> on top of each other. That was the goal. You retrofitted some sciencey sounding stuff into it to explain it. Cause you wanted to do something cool visually and structurally. I kind of feel the same way about tenant. Like I didn't, I didn't think you were doing a Ted talk. <laughs> like I just, yeah, exactly. People used to take a shit on Michael Crichton for doing that crap and just, He's he wrote a book. Yeah, like, you know it's supposed to be fun. It's fiction. It's it's in the fiction section. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it's it's just having fun with it. The man is using like existing science up until a point, and then he needs to flub some stuff to make his fictional story. Yeah. So let's not let's not be so hard on these guys because they're they're trying to write stuff outside of the box to entertain us. You know yeah. what I mean? Would you rather? 
you know, again, would you have rather have a realistic Jurassic Park where people find a, a, a mosquito in amber and say, well, we can definitely not make a dinosaur out of this? Yeah, they're dead. They're extinct. The end. <laughs> we couldn't make a dinosaur. Hear the credits of the movie. No, that's stupid. Your scientists were so concerned at whether they couldn't do this that they didn't stop <laughs> to think whether or not they shouldn't. <laughs> anyway, I'm still taking my shirt off. I'm gold blue. Yeah. <laughs> I am the physical embodiment of sex, so I actually don't I think if care you, about the answer to that question. I think if you take the dinosaurs out, he just has sex with... Uh, with what's her name? Like, I think it's just a movie about Alan Grant, that, like losing no, his wife it. to, like, to. Uh, no, no. Let's just Malcolm. say what's her name. It could be anyone. Just <laughs> what's her name? I think that's a description of every, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. every Jeff Goldblum movie. Consenting adult woman. I'll have you. What? It, that's really about. It's what is her character name um, in that movie? Oh, um, Alan and. Um, uh, Nope. Yep. Nope. Our list our listeners are screaming right now. I cannot remember her name. They're like, yeah. yeah. Laura Dern. No, that's her. Yeah, I was trying to remember the, the actor's name. <laughs> I do, I the character no name. idea what her character name is. Yeah. No, I was trying to remember the character name. But yeah, what or or Laura Dern. Maybe she didn't play a character and it's just Jeff Goldblum trying to have sex with Laura Dern. He would have done that. He yeah. Done that. All right. little bastard. So remember. <laughs> Question everything. Christmas is canceled. Hear all the children cry. Christmas is canceled because Santa Claus has died. It was Christmas Eve. Santa went out on his sleigh, but he had too much eggnog before going on his way. He crashed into a building and he burnt into a crisp. They needed dental records to identify Saint Nick. Christmas is cancelled, hear all the children cry. Christmas is cancelled, because Santa Claus has died. Christmas is cancelled, hear all the children cry. Christmas is cancelled, so come say. Goodbyes. A crowd began to gather at the gory scene downtown. Cause Santa couldn't help himself and had another round. So go and tell the children, take down the Christmas cheer. of his reindeer.
Chris Kringle Fry. Huh. What a wacky and wild Christmas, right? Huh, who could that be? Hey, it's Alfred and the Woodchucks. What's up, guys? It's up at the North Pole all alone The elves have all gone away They don't call her on the phone But she still wears a smile When she puts up the Christmas tree say it ends with an e sound oh man what that, might, that might not be right but, it, but for some reason it's sticking out in my head it's yeah why do i not like yeah it's like not i feel like my brain is slowly dying and 2020 has not been good for it ellie ellie it's what that sounds right imdb says I would have I thought almost, she had more of a I name. Kept, when I got the E sound stuck in my head, I kept wanting to say Lexi. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to blame Michael Crichton because that's a pretty forgettable name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not like those other remember ones like uh, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I just really remember Ian Malcolm, I think. And I only remember Alan because of the raptor and Alan. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. But sometimes... They look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.